everyone, this is Johnny, and welcome to our midweek conversation. And I'm here with uh, senior pastor Joel Seymour. And, and this week, we're going to dive into a little deeper into Sunday's sermon. Uh, Easter was just a great service. We kicked off our series of life's biggest question, biggest questions. And so on Sunday, Joel shared like why he thinks the most historical, plausible explanation of the growth and beliefs of the early church is that Jesus physically rose from the dead. And so I'm going to talk to Joel just to have a discussion, and we want to talk about, like, why does this actually matter? And so, Joel, our first question in the podcast is, like, why does it matter? Why does it matter that Jesus physically rose from the dead? Yeah, thanks, Johnny. It's great to be here and great to have our listeners on today with us. Before I even answer the question, I'm reminded of an old Monty Python skit in the middle of a, of a, one of their movies, and uh, you know, in the middle of this, there's some there's some group of guys who have been overtaken. Their country's been overtaken by the Romans, and they're complaining about what the Romans have ever done for them. They're going to overthrow them, and somebody says, "Yeah, you know, what did the Romans ever do for us?" And as they're complaining, somebody in the crowd says, "Well, they did build this aqueduct that brings us fresh water." and Oh, well, yeah, yeah, there is that one thing. But what else? You know, they've never done any. And then somebody pipes up, well, sanitation. Don't you remember how the city used to smell? And, okay, I'll grant you they gave us the aqueduct and the sanitation. But apart from that, somebody else goes, the roads? Well, obviously the roads, that goes without saying. But apart from the roads, the aqueduct, the sanitation, what have they done? And somebody says, like, well, education and medicine and all these things keep coming out. And Finally, the guy goes, okay, okay, apart from fresh water and sanitation and public order and the roads and wine and baths, what have the Romans ever done for us? It's a funny little skit, and it's completely historically inaccurate because the Romans also did a lot of bad things when they took over a country. But it did remind me of how often we don't think about the resurrection and what it's done for those who follow Jesus. It, it's like this once-a-year thing we celebrate, and then even then we, we rarely ever talk about the benefits. Yeah, it's like sometimes we, we have our Easter service, we talk about, talk about resurrection, and then it's like that's the one time a year we yeah, kind of put that on back it. on the shelf. You know, we're done. Yeah, it's interesting. And full disclosure, I, I have never seen Monty Python, so it's one of those things I hear everybody reference it, and I just kind of laugh and chuckle like I have seen it. But Well, it shows both our age. Like, <laughs> I'm old and you're young, so yeah, it shows our age. But I think it's, it is interesting because it's like one of the ways we can discover the importance of a, maybe a concept or event like even in the Bible is to see how those closest to the event treated it. So like even if you think, you know, a hundred years from now, we look back at the pandemic and talk about the coronavirus, right? Us people who lived through it, you know, we're the ones closest to the event. So we are going to be the ones uh, just to see how we reacted, right? That's that's a, a way to discover like even the importance or the concept of that. So when you think about the resurrection, you know, we, we should probably look at how the early church, you know, even the first church even talked about the resurrection. So I guess how did they treat the resurrection, like the early church, even the earliest disciples? Like how did they treat the resurrection? Yeah, it's kind of interesting, you know, when we kind of look at the, the first teachings and the sermons that were preached back then, a lot of it revolved around the, the resurrection. So you look at like Acts chapter 2 where... Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit falls, and it falls in a dramatic fashion. People uh, have gifts of speaking in miraculous languages. They have gift of, of prophecy. They're speaking encouraging words that people know are coming straight from the heart of God. And some people are even staggering under the power of the Spirit, and they walk out of this huge courtyard, 
near the temple where there are thousands of people who had come for a special Jewish religious festival and all the people start looking at the group of 120 disciples who've been filled with the Spirit and they're wondering what the heck's going on and Peter starts preaching and he mentions, you know, how the people uh, there, some of them were the ones who would, who would cause Jesus' death, you know, like some 50 days earlier. And he talks about his death, but he never talks about Jesus' death equaling their salvation. Actually, in the first gospel sermon in Acts 2, he's preaching about how the resurrection caused their salvation. Um, then Peter continues by telling you know, the people what Christ's resurrection has actually done for them. So even in that sermon, there's a more focused on the resurrection, not the cross. Right? Yes. You know, yeah. so like, so often we always talk about the cross, pointing to the yeah. cross, and it seems like Peter's more focus is not even mentioning so much the cross, it's all about the resurrection. Is that a kind of, is that, that, that only time Peter does that, or is, that a, is there anything happens in Acts, or how does that work in Acts? For the rest of Acts, I mean, the cross is always mentioned, uh, or usually mentioned, but it's almost like the cross is assumed, but the resurrection is the focal point. Hmm. So they, they spent a lot more time talking about the resurrection. Everybody knew Jesus died, or most people, at least in these first sermons, because they're in Jerusalem preaching them. So everybody had heard the news that this guy that thought he was a Messiah had died. But the real big focus and the big news was, well, he rose from the dead. And so what does that mean? And so they focused on the resurrection in their gospel presentation. So yeah, they do this pattern so of that, of just talking about that Jesus rose from the dead. And so I want to just take a look at a couple things like in Acts of some of these benefits that you see come out of their early gospel preaching. So like I said, in the very first gospel preaching, they talk about the resurrection and salvation, but it, one of the benefits that Peter talks about is just the gift of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in chapter 2, verse 33, we read, Exalt that Christ was exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured out what you now see and hear. So what they had seen, what these thousands of people saw in these 120 people, that somehow these, and some of them quite frankly, were kind of uh, what would have been termed by other people country bumpkins almost, like they're backwater people. They're, they're not from the urban areas. They're very rural, small-town people, and they're amazed they can speak these foreign languages. And Peter is saying, what you're seeing is that the Holy Spirit has come on them, and he is enabling to do this. And, and in his explanation, he says, it's because Jesus rose from the dead and now has ascended into heaven, and that's why this gift of the Holy Spirit exists. Uh, as Acts continues, and this kind of preaching continues, there's more benefits you see from the resurrection. So the very next chapter, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John walk into the temple. They see a guy who can't walk. He's begging because he's poor. And they say, uh, hey, silver and gold have we none, but what we do have we'll give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. Again, there's a crowd because it's in the temple courtyards. Everybody's amazed at what's going on. And Peter explains it like this, like how it happened in verse 15 of chapter 3. Um, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and now is made uh, no was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. So basically, Peter's saying, listen, you killed the Messiah. He rose from the dead. And because he's alive, we can call on him in his name. Call on him. He's still alive, so he still heals people. In fact, in the next chapter, Peter is in front of the Supreme Court of his day. And 
He's been beaten for preaching about Jesus rising from the dead and beaten for this healing because it's drawn a crowd. And uh, he basically says, this shouldn't surprise you that, that this man's healed. Jesus healed lots of people during his earthly ministry. You killed him, but he rose from the dead, and now he's still healing people when we call on his name. So the resurrection of Christ means that the healing ministry of Christ is still available to his followers today. Okay, so just kind of to recap, you know, on Sunday, you kind of just went on the evidence, basically the evidence of this idea of Jesus, um, you know, rose from the death. Now we're talking just again about why it matters, even the benefits of, of Jesus being resurrected. It seems like along with those benefits of the resurrected Jesus, there's this outpouring of the Spirit, there's healing, healings happen, um, and that sort of thing. What, what other benefits, like what other things are happening because of the opposite other side of the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, going back almost to where we started the conversation, you know, where Peter talks about salvation, we see that throughout um, the early church's preaching. That, again, salvation was tied uh, almost thematically more to resurrection than crucifixion. You still need crucifixion, but if you just had crucifixion, lots of people would crucified. Uh, it's the fact that Jesus actually proved who he was by rising from the dead. So, again, in front of that Supreme Court I was telling you about earlier with uh, Peter kind of giving a defense for healing the man, how the man got healed, he says this in chapter 4, verse 10, Know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Salvation is actually linked to Jesus still being alive. When he's saying uh, in the name, he's not saying like, you know, in the name of Moses you could be saved. Uh, a prophet who'd been dead, you know, 1,500 years at that point. Or in the name of David you could be saved, a, pro a king and a prophet and a worshiper of God who'd been, you know, dead for probably a thousand years he's saying you can be saved in the name of jesus because he's actually alive he can actually do something for you he can save you and all of that rests on the resurrection um, even like forgiveness and repentance which are part of the pro salvation process are attributed to jesus's resurrection peter in that story i was just telling you eventually um, gets put in jail but miraculously an angel lets him out of jail and at dawn, Peter and the other Jesus followers start preaching in the courtyards. And listen to what Peter says in his kind of speech that he's given to anybody who will listen in Acts 5, verse 30. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. Again, probably in our speeches today or our talks we would just say jesus died on the cross and through the cross you can have forgiveness and repentance but peter says no god exalted him meaning he raised him from the dead and not only that raised him up to heaven and now he's at the right hand of god and somehow this idea of resurrection and being exalted is what um, gives us the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins and, and to be able to turn to god and again i think part of it is that the resurrection in jesus exaltation uh, proves what he said and something happened at the resurrection that sin and death were beaten and because sin and death are beaten we we have a way to be forgiven uh, we have a way to turn to god and know that 
that uh, sin and death can be beaten in our own life. And so the resurrection is crucial in the, in the early church. So yeah, it sounds like, you know, the resurrection, it provides a lot, you know, for followers of Jesus, both, you know, back then, but for us as now, I mean, right, it's salvation, forgiveness of sins, uh, we heard talked through like the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and, and, and the, the healing that comes with those gifts and certain things. What else? What anything else that you want to just mention? Oh about man, that? there's a lot, Johnny. I mean, uh, as I was looking and doing some reading in other books and looking at the Book of Acts, um, there's no less than twelve talks in Acts that refer to at least one benefit of Christ's resurrection. So, you know, we talked about one of those on Sunday of, of the death of an early martyr. A martyr means he was a witness for Christ that was killed for his faith, a guy named Stephen. So, you know, there's a benefit that he wasn't, he wasn't afraid to be put to death for his faith in Jesus because he had a sense, well, A, he saw Jesus as he was dying, mm-hmm. and B, the resurrection means, well, if Jesus rose, then it's the first of all his followers that's going to rise too. And so Stephen had a hope that this isn't the end of the story, like, my story will continue. There'll be a day I'll rise from the dead. Let me just share one more. I know there's plenty more, but another one would be freedom from sin. Mm. Um, Paul, he's an early church missionary um, and an apostle, which just means he was sent by Jesus to preach. Um, he preaches at, and during his first missionary journey on God's interactions with humanity. And he starts like you know Abraham in the Old Testament, and then prophecies coming from David about a thousand years before the time of Christ. And and then in the Psalms that David wrote, some of these predictions uh, predicted that the Messiah, who we would call Jesus, they predicted that his body would not see decay. He'd be put in the ground, but he wouldn't see decay, which is a reference that he's rising again. There's a resurrection. So listen to how Paul expounds on that. And in so doing, he actually shares another benefit of Christ's resurrection for those who follow him. Acts 13, 37 says, But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. So, I mean, Paul is saying here, like, through Christ's resurrection, we can actually have freedom over every sin. We can be transformed. Now, now part of that freedom happens positionally. Like, we're kind of in position with Christ, and he has done all the work so that we have the chance to be free from every sin. So he's done the heavy lifting on it. Mm-hmm. But now, because of the power of the resurrection, not only positionally, but in the actual way that we live, we can go through a process of sanctification and become transformed people free from sin. And he's saying... You tried to justify yourself through the law of Moses, which maybe in today's language we could say uh, we tried to do enough good, mm-hmm. or we wrote down ten good things we're going to do, and of course none of us do them. <laughs> yeah. sure. and, uh, and so he said you couldn't do it under your own power, but now the resurrection has done for you what you couldn't do on your own, that you can be free from every sin. You're free from the guilt, you're free from the shame, you're free from the penalty, but not only that, you can actually be free and begin to live a less sinful life and to eventually begin to live a more and more holy life till it's completely possible to to live uh, a transformed life where sin doesn't control you anymore. So yeah, so we, we kind of talked at the beginning of this to, to understand the importance of an event or 
just even an event or concept. It's looking at those closest to the event. So we've kind of done that. We've gone, you've kind of walked us through all these different stories of acts and mm-hmm. basically how, um, you know, how this impacted the early church. And the acts is just stories after story of how they this started out. And the reality is, right, that's that same kind of thing is for us. That's where we can go to as far as. Uh, this isn't just for the apostles. I think sometimes I look at this and yeah. go, oh, those are apostles. Those were special people who were disciples of Jesus. But the reality is they lived in a reality that we can live into now, like as being uh, living in the power of the resurrection, right? This kind of concept, the the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in all of us, right? right. It doesn't matter if it's apostle. And, and we've just talked through all these different things that are available and accessible to us because we, we are in Jesus, and that's the difference. It's not that these apostles were special people, but they're, they're just in Christ, and it's the same yeah. for us, you know? Yeah, maybe to make your point there, too, as you're talking, I'm reminded, like, maybe a group of people we could relate to better than the guys I studied. You know, Peter and Paul are kind of in their own category, mm-hmm. right? But you think about Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, which is, um, you know, probably not most of us are up on our geography, but Israel would be the far eastern part of the Mediterranean Sea, and then Turkey would be where Ephesus is at. It's kind of on the northern side, and so far away from Israel. Mm. They've never seen Jesus. They didn't live in Jesus' country. Uh, The letter is written about 20 years after Jesus walked the planet, and Paul writes this church that he helped start, and he says, uh, I'm praying for you that that the eyes of your heart, meaning like your heart would be open and your mind, your thoughts too would be open, that you would be open to this concept. And, and what he prays is he goes that you have access to the power of God. And he says this mighty working power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and exalted him and seated him at the right hand of the Father. So this would be a group of people like you and I. We've never seen the physical Christ. Yeah. You know, we didn't see the cross. We didn't we weren't one of the eyewitnesses after he rose from the dead. Just somebody told us, right? Yeah. And yet Paul is writing that group of people just like you and I and, and the people that are listening and he's saying, "Listen, even though it's 20 years after he's ascended into the sky, and for you and I, even though it's close to 2000 years, <laughs> When you follow Jesus, his presence lives in you, and you have access to the mighty working power that raised him from the dead and seated him in the highest heavens with God the Father. So, yeah, absolutely. This isn't just stuck in the stories for the yeah. special people. This is for all of us. Yeah. So that's, that's why the resurrection matters, is this power in the presence of Christ is available to us. That's, that's, that's great. And so uh, you obviously mentioned there was a lot more things we could have talked talk through you know, yeah. you said there was 12 different things. We've kind of maybe even skimmed the surface a little bit. Yeah. So um, you had some resources, you know, for our conversation day. Where could people go? Even if they want, obviously today we're going a little bit deeper than Sunday and why the resurrection matters. If they want to even go even deeper, what's something that they could go to and, and look as a resource to go even deeper? Yeah, full disclosure is even in preparing for this uh talk, this conversation you and I are having, I used a book called Raised with Christ by Adrian Warnock. And man, I think I bought that on my Kindle like five years ago or something. And I've used it different Easter times because it was really one of the first books that I had ever read that just totally focused on the resurrection and why the resurrection is so important. And so uh, full disclosure, if you go to one of the chapters, I think it actually goes through all the preaching and acts. And so that was the one that really, as I was flipping through the book, I thought, wow, that that's why the resurrection matters. So 
Um, that's just one chapter. So there's like 15 other ones. So I would say it's an easy read and it just goes through why the resurrection matters and particularly the chapters I think on justification because we we associate that word with the cross, with crucifixion. But he goes through, I mean, Paul's letters over and over again attach our justification to Christ's resurrection. And not metaphorically, but like the physical Christ, mm-hmm. his body rising from the dead under the power of God and having a new body. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage people, it's available on Amazon or Audible, their library, Kindle, whatever, they should be able to pick it up and it'll have a lot of thought-provoking content. Awesome, and we'll try to put a link up if we can. And, and just yeah, in the show it. notes or something, yeah. yeah. So that, that should kind of wrap up her first kind of midweek conversation. And, you know, at least in this series, we're just going to try to do this at least once a week just to go a little bit deeper in some of the, the questions that you guys all submitted. Maybe we can take a few of those and go a little bit deeper. And, um, you know, obviously we'll have uh, just some follow-up for, from the sermon. So, uh, you know, we're going to continue our series this Sunday on life's biggest questions. Joel, do you want to give a little snippet of what fixed yeah absolutely so we got some good questions and so we're framing the rest of the series off those but i thought it would be important maybe this week just to say can i even ask that Mm -hmm. in other words is it okay to ask questions of god um depending on if you grew up in a religious context or maybe just watching tv or culture or having friends who did there's some groups, and, and I think Christianity can give off an air at times, at least certain brands of Christianity, that says it's not okay to ask questions. That means doubt, or it means right. something like that. Yeah, that yeah it means you're antagonistic, you doubt, you don't have faith, you know. Yeah. Gives the devil a foothold in your life. You know, I mean, all that sure. stuff comes up. And so I really want us to, to paint a picture that it's okay to ask these kind of questions. Like, mm-hmm. you don't need to check your brain out the door when you become a follower of Jesus. In fact, I think it should provoke more questions. But I also think there's probably a good process we could follow on how do we get the answers. Uh, So often right now, uh, you know, in our culture, we're just kind of all over the place. Um, It's whatever feels good is kind of, you know, the answer I'm going to have or whatever's Mm -hmm. acceptable is the answer I want. Instead of trying to figure out, is there a way for a follower of Christ to come up with some good answers to the questions we all have. So, yeah, we'll hit some of that. We'll hit, can I ask that? Is it okay to ask questions? And then we'll start to lean into a process for answering questions. In the next few weeks after that, we'll actually take some specific questions and, and answer those. Awesome. So that wraps up our uh, midweek conversation this week. Uh, we'll be back at it next week. Have Thanks, Johnny. One.